नमस्ते गाइस आई एम डॉक्टर अनुश्रुति एंड आई एम हियर विद एन अमेजिंग एपिसोड टुडे ऑन बोर्ड आई हैव डॉक्टर मिचेल टेनर हु इज अ फिजिकल थेरेपिस्ट बाय प्रोफेशन एंड इज फॉस्टरिंग रेजिलियंस एंड परफॉर्मेंस ही इज जॉइनिंग अस लाइव डायरेक्टली फ्रॉम फ्लोरिडा यूनाइटेड स्टेट्स हेलो डॉक्टर मिचेल हाउ आर यू हाय डॉक्टर अनुश्रुति आई एम डूइंग रियली वेल हाउ आर यू आई एम गुड आई एम फाइन वेल You know we are here to discuss physical therapy. So why not to ask you about physical therapy? What do you think how physical therapy plays a role in people's life and should they visit them only when they are having an injury or they are in pain? Sure. So I think that physical therapy has a, a lot of different places depending on where people are in their journey. But Primarily physical therapists are responsible for helping people who are in pain uh not necessarily injured but experiencing pain and, and want some relief surrounding that. And so sometimes that means that they're injured or sometimes that just means they need contact context around their experience and physical therapists can help with both of those things. So if they're in pain or uh you have a a limitation during your day, uh, a physical therapist is a great person to see. Oh well great you know recovery recovery is a term us physical therapists have been listening to this i guess since the beginning of our career and patients when they actually you know when clients become our patients they hear this term recovery a lot uh, more times in their lifespan but when this comes uh, when this term arises recovery what comes in mind is massage guns and ointments medicines exercises hardcore workouts and i know that you have already been working on this topic so what do you think are some essential core parts of recovery sure um that's a great question so when like you said when we think about recovery from the standpoint of physical therapy it's it's often recovering a function or allowing tissue to heal and whenever we apply that same mindset to strength training or or those hard exercises like you mentioned uh it's it's very much so the same thing just on a smaller scale and so whenever we have an injury there is some sort of damage whether that be to muscle tissue the connective tissue or or bone uh the same is true when we exercise we just have smaller tears in those muscles that we have to recover from right that that soreness that we experience and so the sort of modalities that you mentioned being like massage guns, ointments, um those sorts of passive treatments that oftentimes we see on Instagram as being super popular uh those aren't necessarily helping recovery but but they help you feel good so it gives you the perception of recovery but not actual physical change and so the the big things to to kind of answer the second part of your question about you know what what are the main contributors to recovery right the the main thing is is doing an amount of work that is appropriate for you so the the volume of your training being appropriate not doing a ton of movements at a time that you're not used to you have to slowly build up is the first way to prevent uh sort of excess damage to that tissue that that you cannot recover from but the the pieces outside of that programming are things like your sleep getting enough enough time in bed and enough high quality sleep are two really really big ones as well as 
uh, supporting your activity with with your diet so getting enough uh, calories and, and appropriate nutrients is also really helpful and then finally the the thing that i think that we consider the least is stress management if we're really really stressed emotionally and and we're carrying a lot of those burdens from whether it be work or family life uh school even it can be hard to recover as well since you know i had the term of modalities in my question like different modalities be it massage guns or other things and you know we have some core basics modalities like uh, i don't know what do we say there but i believe the nomenclature is same like ultrasonic therapy ift tens and what not so it's just an impromptu question like in india uh physiotherapists you know still more often depend on these modalities i mean we do have a lot of physical therapists on board with us here in india who actually believe in muscle manipulation by hands and taping and uh, cupping therapy dry needling exercises strength training but yes half of the majority is still dependent on these modalities i want to know how is the healthcare profession of uh, physical therapy there in us like what do you doctors over there depend on what is your functionality about doing this physical therapy over patient sure so all of the things that you mentioned are definitely staples in treatment here as well i think that most physical therapy clinics that you go into especially an outpatient one you're going to find therapists using things like e-stem ultrasound that shockwave therapy as well as doing manual soft tissue work and and uh, manipulations as well and that definitely has its place in in our practice here it's it's very common a lot of times if you're seeing multiple patients at once therapists will use some of those passive modalities like the e-stem where where you're mostly resting and and letting the machine do the work to kind of take a break from that person to see the next person on their list and 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 balance a couple of people at a time Um, we're starting to see more and more research that the the main effect that these things have is that they help reduce pain so so they change the sensation and uh, some of the narratives that we have about why these things work is starting to change and so uh, they definitely help patients improve range of motion uh, be less fearful of movement and and have less pain and i think that that sets folks up really really well to start moving again to start doing the activities that they have a hard time with uh, i think that the big shift we see with those modalities here is is why we use them um, we're, we're realizing that we're not breaking up scar tissue necessarily with with the graston modalities or, or the manual uh, soft tissue work or cupping uh, more so we're, we're changing the sensation around that painful area and that change in sensation allows folks more freedom of movement with less pain freedom of movement with less pain so mm-hmm. you know i mean do you feel that sleep is also a part of recovery i mean we know that how much good sleep is important and also yeah here comes you know the biggest question why are people nowadays uh, bending towards a poor sleep cycle I know many of my viewers are watching this video lying on their bed in the night on their phone screens and many of them are listening to the audio version on Spotify Amazon Music lying on the bed headphones in their ear and in the midnight 
well i won't say that do not listen to this this is a nice episode you should definitely listen to this but the timing is absolutely wrong so dr mitchell what do you feel why are they you know just letting towards in a poor sleep cycle and what are its impact on their lifestyle uh, with that i also would like to add another question how much is sleep you know plays a role in recovery period of a patient okay sure so i'll i'll tackle the the first bit of the question first so um wh- why do i think that that sleep is a challenge for most people is that right yeah So I think that many people have a lot of different challenges but being on your phones like you mentioned a uh, screen time before bed can really impact our our ability to go to sleep as well as the the type of information that we're taking in you know if we're watching action films or things that are really exciting on our phones or on TV that Uh, excites our brain and and gets us going and and fires different areas in our brain that aren't necessarily associated with sleep and they make it harder to go to sleep. Um so the content is one piece of it but the screen itself the the brightness from the light it, it affects our our sleep wake cycle as well. And so things like caffeine are also really common in keeping people up. Uh you know, people who have that afternoon coffee or that evening coffee that stays in your system a lot longer than most people think you know caffeine has a half life of 5 hours so if at uh 5 o'clock you have uh energy drink with 200 mg of caffeine well at 10 o'clock you've still got 100 mg of caffeine in your system so things like that can also make it really challenging and i hear a lot of business professionals share that sometimes they just lay in lay in bed awake stressed about the next day they're thinking about what's coming up they're checking off the the list in their mind making sure that they've thought of everything and you know i think for everyone there there are different factors contributing to that but to does that answer your first question well it does okay uh and so the second the second part of your question is is how does that sleep impact folks who are trying to recover uh from injury right so when we're asleep we are at our our base function right our body is doing the least amount of work possible we're not moving around we're not expending any other energy and that's when our body really has the opportunity to uh repair connective tissue to uh prepare for the rest of the day and and there's also like cleansing in the the fluid in the brain that occurs while we sleep as well um but that is essentially the time where we are not putting stress on our body tearing it down and so that leaves us the most opportunity and the most time to build it back up mm i agree with you so here is a reminder to all my viewers and listeners to keep their phone aside if you are listening or watching this in the midnight and if you are in the daytime do make sure that you have a good sleep today Dr Mitchell you would agree with me that we are doctors only because of our patients we do work for them so why not to answer their questions directly so here i would like to introduce you to my segment of the show where we answer the questions of my followers patients and viewers so i do have some sort of questions collected for you by my people so are you ready to answer them Sure, let's do it. Well, starting with the very first question, we have Kanishka from Delhi. Delhi is the capital of India. 
Hi Kanishka, how are you? She says, I am suffering from frozen shoulder. It's been three months and I'm doing some towel exercises, but yet not recovered. What shall I do? Uh, thanks for the question, Kanishka. That's, uh, you know, I'm sorry to hear oh, about you know, the, the frozen... Indian names. I mean, I should appreciate the way you speak Indian names so fluently. Great. Thanks so much. I, I try to. Um, forgive me if I if I don't do so well in the future. Um, but yeah, uh, that's really unfortunate about the, the frozen shoulder. I know that that can be really frustrating to deal with having that, that decrease in range of motion. And so uh, with frozen shoulder, there are a couple of different phases, right? Um, there is the freezing phase where it's progressively getting worse. The, the frozen phase where sort of at your maximum restriction and then there is a, a thawing phase where you start to see relief and so where you are at in that process Kanishka is going to determine how much relief you get and and what that timeline is going to look like and so if you are already able to to progress and you've kind of reached the the max limitation of that frozen shoulder and you're starting to see improvements then those improvements are probably going to continue over the next few months. Uh, as far as specific exercises, uh, I know that she mentioned she's doing towel movements. Yeah. Uh, I assume that that's probably like internal, external range of motion, sort of stretching. Uh, but right, we're not sure. So uh, what I would say is, is if you haven't gotten in touch with a physical therapist like Dr. Anushruti, uh, do so and, and find someone near you who can really support you um, because just in our short time it's, it's hard to say specifically what you need at this timeline in your journey but once you get that care um, just be consistent with trying to move your shoulder in a way that is not painful a little bit of discomfort is okay but if you're pushing into pain you're you're probably not getting any additional benefit from that I hope Kanishka your question is answered. Next moving on we have Vishwas from Banaras and he asks I want to lose my belly fat. Is it only about exercises or do I do I have to have a proper diet? Okay, I think belly fat is somewhat you know people are running behind and it is you know the most challenging part of the body to lose weight from. Um, so this is the question from Vishwas. Yeah, so thanks for the question, Vishwas. Um, belly fat specifically, um, you know, if, if we're just trying to lose belly fat, we, we can't spot reduce. So I can't say I just want to lose fat from my belly, but nowhere else. Um, it's sort of just all of our fat goes down and the way that we carry that, uh, especially in men, tends to be in the stomach. And so, uh, whether it is all about exercise or uh, just nutrition, it can be a combination of both. And so the thing that is going to primarily cause uh, belly fat loss or just fat loss in general is going to be eating less calories than you burn. So if you are consuming less calories than you burn, you're putting yourself in a deficit of energy. And so you have to burn some of that stored energy up. And that's what causes the loss of belly fat. And there are three ways to do this. You can consume less food, uh, consume less, less nutrient-dense food, so things with a lot of calories, or you can exercise more so that you burn more calories and you eat the same amount so you can 
uh, sort of change it on the other end. You're burning more, so you the current amount you're eating is relatively less than before. And then the third option is, is a combination of both. So having more activity and less calorie-dense foods is, is going to help you accomplish that goal faster. Cool. So the last question from my uh, clients, Rahul Kumar from Gujarat, he says, Hi, Dr. Mitchell. My father is an ex-army man. His knee has started paining. He is able to walk, but since it is alarming situation, what precautions should he take? Gotcha. So um, similar to our first question, I will recommend seeing a professional near you so that they can examine it and, and really look through all of the different ranges of motion and, and areas that cause pain. So you mentioned that he's still walking and I would take that as a great sign. Um, but if he has other challenges like going from a seated position to standing up or, or negotiating stairs, different things like that, um, then we can be looking at a, a myriad of different things. So if he's had an injury to that knee in the past, that could be affecting him now. But the thing that I see most with folks, especially as we get older, is that we move less. And, and so if he is not very active at his current age, then perhaps just moving more would help him. Uh, but in, in short, I, I think that he should see a professional who can really look at everything and, and give a more uh, detailed approach so thank you all my dear viewers followers patients for sending in your questions also i would like to mention if any anyone else who's listening and watching this wants to send question for the next speakers do send it to me over instagram whatsapp twitter anywhere you can contact me moving on dr mitchell you know we have a lot of aspiring doctors in my audience right now my question to you is communication skills we know as a doctor how much communication skills are important to communicate with our patients and one of the major thing about it is that we can communicate with anyone you know i believe treating a patient does not actually need language it is actually understanding his or her pain his or her problem and getting into action for that recovery but as we say in a normal language that we really need to make a conversation going on which I feel the aspiring doctors because we were not taught about it I'm sure you were also one of them who were not specifically taught about communication skills and importance of communication while treating patients so what do you feel are some basic traits including communication skills for aspiring doctors to have to become a professional physiotherapist Sure. Um, you know, I feel very fortunate that in my education, we got, uh, we definitely got some formal uh, lessons on, on communication and, and making sure that the patient feels heard and, and understood. And I think the, the biggest piece of advice that I could give uh, doctors or aspiring doctors out there is to listen to your patients. So like you said, not all communication has to be verbal. And sometimes just creating a safe space where the patient feels comfortable to, to share and speak freely and, and ask questions is the most valuable thing that you can do. Uh, a lot of people are nervous whenever they go to see a healthcare professional. They're typically sick or in pain and want answers and, and that can be scary enough already. And so giving them the opportunity to express those concerns and 
really hear uh, what their problem is and, and what sort of barriers they might be facing is going to help your treatment and create more trust between you and that patient uh, automatically. Uh, one of the, the most frequent complaints from patients is that they don't feel like they got enough attention from their, their practitioner. And so being sure that you give them your full attention while, while you're talking and you look them in the eye and, and you repeat things back to make sure you understand what they're saying. Uh, those are all great, great ways to communicate. I think that uh, you know, just further building off of what you said, we can do a lot with our language and, and being careful when we do speak to, to choose our words carefully. Uh, we want to use language that doesn't make them afraid or feel worse about their condition. We want to, to be empowering with our language and, and make them feel like there is hope. Uh, Dr. Mitchell, as I told you, we have aspiring doctors in our audience. We do have geriatric population as well. They like to listen to my podcast, episodes, everything. So for them, what will be your two biggest advices that they should follow to have a beautiful life ahead? You know, because we know most of the geriatric population are dependent on crutches, walkers and walking aids, whatnot. But like just one of the questions said he was an ex-army man and he's still walking freely. So we do have a lot of uh, examples like him as well who are uh, age free and they are walking, uh, running and even jogging as well. So what are Dr. Mitchell's two advices to geriatric population to follow? Sure, I guess my first piece of advice would be to keep moving. Uh, so whatever you do, try to use as little assistance as you can safely. So run that by your your doctor or your healthcare provider. But being able to move as much as you can is going to help you. If, if you don't use your muscles and different skills, you're going to lose those muscles and skills. Uh, so continuing to move. And my second piece of advice is to continue doing things that are challenging. And so not just doing the things that are easy, but um, pushing yourself a little bit harder. So if you can sit from a chair and stand back up, that might be okay, but what if you do it 10 times? Does that become challenging? Uh, or if you're walking and you use a walker, what if you go for intentional walks and you try and walk a little bit further or a little bit quicker pace? And so you are, you are using that function a little bit more. And so as long as you're doing those two things, continuing to move and continuing to challenge yourself, in a safe way, uh, you'll be surprised what you can continue to do as you age. Well, with this, we have come to an end of this episode. I believe this episode has brought a lot of things and a lot of new facts and busted a lot of myths about recovery and physical therapy. Thank you so much, Dr. Mitchell, for taking out time from your schedule to speak to us and I hope that you enjoyed it and you had fun doing this, recording this, and I know all my viewers, listeners are really gonna have a lot of information about physical therapy after this. Thank you so much for having me on, Dr. Anushree. I, I really appreciate the invitation and, and for you sharing with me. Thank you so much. Also, this is the reminder for you guys, as usual, straighten your back, have a good sleep, and take care of yourself. We'll meet with the next episode really soon. Till then, take care, goodbye.